Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right, good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. As always, welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So this evening, because it is evening, it's 9 o'clock my time. We're smack dab in the middle of the coronavirus thing going pandemic worldwide, etc., etc. And I'm loving what we're going to talk about here today. Because admittedly, as always, for the newer listeners, we don't know completely what we're going to talk about because it's an open conversational show. I'm a Gen Xer. Uh, I try and give back to my fellow Gen X population, but also the millennials and beyond. Because what's the point of acquiring all this knowledge if you aren't passing it on? A little tip for wisdom. Uh, but quick shout out. Got to give a shout out to uh, Trade Downs of Your Superior Self podcast. He actually got this gentleman and I connected and because he knows that I geek out about flow and mindset and psychology since I've studied it and many other things. Uh, but anyway, let me give you a quick background this gentleman that is joining us. Uh, he's the co-founder and COO of Flow Research Collective, and uh, they got applied neuroscience at King's College London and B.A. Hans in philosophy uh, from Trinity College Dublin. So again, guys, education is power right here, and they're going to bring a lot to us tonight because they care a lot about well, I don't know, fighting and building things up. And I'll tell you right now, if you can find your flow state, you're going to be able to build things a lot faster. I've learned that over the past probably three to four years now. So without further ado, I got Rian Doris, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Yeah. and I'm, uh, since, I'm, I'm still envious of that mic quality. <laughs> <laughs> so smooth. You are not the first one for mic envy. It's okay. <laughs> and honestly... I got to give a shout out to John, my audio engineer from almost four years ago. Um, quick, fun story on that. He had, like, we, had, we had three different mics. We set them up. I had no idea what we were doing. And he's like in, in this office. I didn't, I didn't have all these monitors and all the lighting back then. You know, with time, things grow. And he, we recorded on this one and we played it back. He's like, oh, that's the winner. And I said, why? <laughs> and he said, he goes, you know, you kind of sound like a blend between uh, uh, Barry Manilow and, uh, and, the, and the shock jock himself uh, from Satellite Radio, uh, Howard Stern. <laughs> and I said, I, I, I guess that's a win? I was like, you're the engineer, you tell me. He's like, yes, that's a win. You sound good. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, man, you got the radio voice for sure. <laughs> well, and again, like anything else, it, it's, it's gotten better. I do get a lot of compliments now, so thank you. I appreciate it. But man, just like anything else when you're new at it, you go back and listen to those shows and you're like, yeah, you could definitely tell us some rookie going on in there. <laughs> so how about you? Totally. How many podcasts have you yeah, been on? Yeah, I don't know how it goes. <laughs> I don't know at this point. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Less count. Okay. 20, 30, something like that maybe. There you go. I've, I've been on at least 20 to 30 other shows and then obviously we've aired well over 320 shows now. So Wow. And I still have like there's already twenty other ones already recorded. That's that's how mm. busy I've been. Every everybody now has availability <laughs> in their schedule. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Kind of podcasting dream at the moment. Yes. So hey, there you go, listeners. If you happen to be interested in getting a podcast going, you might be able to secure people easier right now. Uh, <laughs> so you got to find the silver lining in things, and that's that's something I've learned over the years. So 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 let let's just dive right in. And obviously. We were joking around about internet performance. If I start hearing a lag from you, 
then I'll just say, hey, man, why don't we just kill video? Because I can always screen share and show yeah. off your stuff anyway. Perfect. Let's so, do that. Because you're, you're hitting me from across the uh, the continent from the mm -hmm. Bay Area, right? Yeah. 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 I'm normally based in Venice Beach. Given all the corona stuff and the chaos and uncertainty, we moved up here to stay with my wife's um, parents-in-law temporarily. Okay. And our lease was up in Venice. Anyway, we were supposed to move place down there. So, yeah, worked out nicely here in a super nature heavy spot, which is really nice to be a little bit out of the news cycle and chaos rather than watching it from being in it. Yes. So, yes. I, I've been in like downtown San Francisco and it's just like any other city or any, or Palo Alto or any of those, they're, they're just hustling and busy, busy, busy. And then uh, again, I, over the years, I just realized I do love being closer to the outdoors, something more yeah. nature picturesque. So it's nice to be on the sidelines, especially with something like this that's going on. Mm -hmm. It was, you could almost feel it in the air a little bit in Venice, the stress of and, and weight of the whole thing. So, well, yeah, yeah let's, nice. let's talk about that. Let's talk about stress. Let's talk about mindset. And what are your thoughts on this? Since you guys geek out a little bit around the whole neuroscience uh, market. Sure. Around how to reduce stress within a situation like this. Oh, I'm just saying in general, or, I mean, you guys have clients, right? And you have coaches mm -hmm. working with those clients and you're obviously, you're the guy obviously growing the company, but do you find this is coming up more right now? I think so. I mean, we talk about this idea called the high flow advantage. Okay. So flow state, just to define the term, because I'm sure we'll use it throughout the episode, a flow state is something everyone's experienced. It's that state of being totally and utterly immersed in whatever it is that you're doing where you become one with the task at hand, time dilates, so hours go by in what feels like minutes, and throughout performance goes through the roof. A lot of people talk about it as being in the zone. And at the Flow Research Collective, we research that state in partnership with other, other universities, and then we train that state with our clients. And the high flow advantage is the idea that at the exact same time that it's becoming harder than ever to get into flow because of distractions, increased levels of stress, burnout, overwhelm in the workplace, so it's harder than ever to get into flow, but simultaneously at the exact same time, it is more important than ever and more advantageous than ever to get into flow because the big complex problems that we're faced with today in the 21st century require that deep ability to focus and hone in on something for a long, interrupt, uninterrupted period of time to really make moves. So we see more and more that people are finding it more and more difficult to focus, yet it is more and more of a necessity. Well, so let's dive let's dive deeper into that. I, I love talking about this subject. Uh, I've had all different kinds of, we'll call them flow influencers, I guess, um, because everybody's got their own style or impact on it. And I mean, a, a couple of years ago, I even had on an electrical engineer who literally okay. can relate flow state to electrical flow currents. And he loves uh, making that connection for people. And he actually put out a book about that. And I thought it was actually pretty genius. So interesting. Yeah, right. Check I mean, it's like, I was like, because I actually studied microelectronics technology when I was back in high school as a techie. And then I was going to probably go the electrical engineer route uh, when I went to Penn State and then stuck in the regular engineering world, then I'd go into the business world. But Anyway, the point was, I was like, oh, I totally get where you're going with this. And then I read his mm -hmm. book and I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because he, he refers to the same way. It's like, you know, we have these synaptic pathways. We have this energy. Um, people, people don't realize that we're literally a walking power plant. 
mm-hmm. and is this, is this some of the topics you guys get into with your research? So our goal is to decode the neurophysiology of flow, which essentially means to understand and reduce down what is happening in the brain primarily, but also the body when you're in a flow state or when you're performing your best, which is synonymous with being in a flow state. So we are attempting to essentially understand all of the different physiological or neurophysiological carlets to a flow state. So when someone's in that state that they can feel experientially what's actually happening to their physiology, you know, heart rate variability, signature, what kind of neurochemistry is circulating at that point in time? Are there other measures like core body temperature? And then when you can understand what is actually going on in the body, when someone's in a flow state, you can then start engineering it more effectively train up a flow state by measuring it and then knowing what kind of behavioral triggers are resulting in you getting into that state Hmm. so when we can advance the science and figure out what flow actually is again neurophysiologically then we can get much more effective at training flow so that people can access that state much more consistently and repeatedly and reliably ultimately that's interesting. So, and you got it, you had a little bit of that electronic delay, but I was intrigued because you actually mentioned how you guys measure it. So, how do you measure this? Uh, is it performance related? And what kind of data are you acquiring on that? Yeah, it's a great question. So, for now, unfortunately, most of the measures are psychological. Mm-hmm. So, we, I, we do, the science yet isn't yet at a point where we can do things like put on an EEG. Sure. And then know what, if there's, if someone's in flow or not due to their brainwave signature. So it's, it's primarily done currently with psychometric assessments that have been developed by a Hungarian psychologist called Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Mm-hmm. He is the quote-unquote godfather of flow research. He wrote the original book, Flow, the Psychology of Optimal Experience, back in when well, he started doing the research in the 60s. I believe that book came out in the 80s. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, so it's been it's been a pretty long scientific journey, mainly within psychology and just more recently within neuroscience. But he developed a number of different psychometric instruments that you can use to gauge the amount of flow that an individual is experiencing. He developed those with another researcher called Susan Jackson. And that's our main use or our main way of measuring flow. This is pretty cool. Um, I'm going to be a self-obsessed geek right now. Uh, And so listeners, this is why I care about because I didn't understand flow you know, years ago, and then I started chipping away at it, and you start hearing it more, and then you go to these mindset conferences and, and even entrepreneurial speaking events, and you find these other experts who all discuss this. They discuss finding that, that zone, as you hinted about, and then it's, you start hearing the word flow more or in the zone more, and then you, you start learning about meditation and being able to focus. And so I'm intrigued on that. Like, do you guys talk about the – the impacts of learning meditation with this? It's a great question. So we get that question a lot. What's the difference between mindfulness or a meditative state and a flow state? There's a number of differences. One is that flow is inherently the product or the side effect of action and engagement. So with a state, you have to be doing a thing through which you get into flow. So flow is an inherently active state, whereas mindfulness, at least in contrast to a flow state, is a much more passive state. It usually just is the result of some form of observation, whether that's the observation of your breath or some other stimulus like music, 
or your heart, heartbeat mm -hmm. or how your physiology feels or something like that. So a flow state is an active state by default. You get into flow when you're surfing, when you're playing football, when you're coding, when you're writing, when you're speaking, whatever it is. Whereas mindfulness, again, is a much more passive state of tracking and observing objectively without judgment, some form of stimulus. Mm. Again, usually that's breath or, or um, music or something like that. And mindfulness does, it seems, increase our ability to get into flow. So we always say that flow follows focus. Focus is a necessary precursor for flow. And mindfulness enhances focus. It tra it's a form of mind training. You can improve your ability to hold your attention on a certain thing for an extended period of time through mindfulness. And as a result of that, you can focus better. And as a result of that, your likelihood of getting flow also increases. Wow. This is, it's funny we're discussing this because, and just so you know, you were, you were just getting some electronic delays again. So I'm going to go. Well, I, well just, I, yeah. Let me try. I'll, I'll flick it off. There we yeah. go. Let's see if that cleans it up a little. Uh, by the way, great headshot, by the way. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, that so, is the current video. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, hey, man, when you got the hair, rock it. Um, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, I, I literally, uh, about a half an hour before this call started, I was doing a pre-screening on another guy who had come across the show, and he didn't come through a referral like you did through Trey. So I, I always do a little pre-interview. And he, his he's from Australia. And he's on this exact topic, not obviously digging into the neuroscience, but he's very big into discussing uh, helping mostly business people, but finding that channeling that unconscious uh, state. Like a lot of us, he said, like the good thing is right now, a lot of people are, I will say good thing because they're overwhelmed with the ability to, right now to have more time because they're not traveling and commuting and everything. They can free up time in their day to spend a little time getting deeper into themselves and uncovering some things that maybe they have not been dealing with or ignoring and finding, and he's, he talks to a lot about the, the meditation component, but he and I geeked out about uh, health and fitness because that's how I find my flow state. Mm. <laughs> and you just brought up surfing and like, I, I'm a, I'm a road cyclist. I race mountain bikes. I, I was a ski race coach. Uh, I'm a CrossFitter. I compete in CrossFit comps. So I'm all about, I, I got my breathing at, at practices I do. Uh, when I'm on a bike, I don't think about my business. But when I get off the bike, within an hour, I will transition back into my business brain. And all that's out of the way. My stress is gone. I'm happy. I'm high totally. energy. And exactly, like, yeah. So fitness for me helps me reach uh, that flow state. And then that eventually unlocks a even better business flow state is how I think about it. Is that so something along the lines would you guys talk to? That's a great observation, I think. That's interesting. So we, again, another one of the adages or common phrases we use is that the more flow you get, the more flow you get. Oh. And we teach our clients to have what we call a primary and a secondary flow activity. So usually, at least with our clients, again, like yourself, they're entrepreneurs or they're executives, or they want to get into flow doing the thing they spend the most time in their life doing, which usually is work of some form, whether it's running the business or managing their team or whatever it is. But in addition to that activity that they want to get into flow in, that usually has, again, a professional bent, we get them to develop a primary and a secondary flow activity in addition to that. And usually that's going to be something like you're describing. Some, some form of sport 
potentially an action sport, some kind of creative hobby, whether that's playing an instrument, whether that is painting, whether that's yoga, dance, something like that, mm. so they can get familiar with that state, what it feels like. And as a result of that, you tend to see an increase in the amount of flow someone can experience back at the office outside of that, like you're describing, you know, you go, you go cycle, and then all of a sudden you're able to unlock that same state within business. Yeah. And I didn't always realize it. Right. So it took me, you know, cause I didn't have people guiding me. <laughs> I didn't have coaches. I was just kind of figuring this out over the years. I was like, huh, if I don't work out, I'm a little bit more stressed. Uh, but also, I, I miss some of that flow transfer as kind of like what I'm hearing from you. Is it's, a because, nice, it's a nice phrase, actually. I like that flow transfer. Right, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, wait a minute. But they're, they're different flow states, but I can transfer that. When I'm on that bike, it's all I think about. I think about my road safety. I think about what's going on around me. I focus, I focus on my breathing, my performance. So by the time I get done with that hour, two-hour ride or whatever I'm training for, and I come home and I change out of that gear, and whether I get a shower right away or I not, that's now done, right? And then I can transfer that focus into the next activity. And it's usually that's when I start having a lot of my innovative thoughts. I've noticed that more and more. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it's even just a form of extreme presence, which is important like for all sorts of different reasons. Daniel Gilbert wrote a book called uh, Stumbling Upon Happiness, which you may have heard of or read. And in that, he cites research, I believe it was done at Harvard, that shows that people on average spend 47% of their time thinking about things other than what they're actually doing. Uh -huh. And being in that state of mentally being elsewhere to where you actually literally are is highly correlated with decreased life satisfaction, decreased well-being, mental ill health. So being able to be fully present, fully focused and all in on whatever it is that you're doing when you're doing it, it's huge from a quality of life standpoint, from a performance standpoint, obviously, and flow is the epitome of pure presence in action. Well, and I, I love where we're going down this pike because I'm actually screen sharing right now for the listeners. And again, check them out at flowresearchcollective.com. But you've got some, I, I love your site here when it comes to you know, what's blocking your peak performance, right? And you got some powerful stuff quoted here from people like Tony Robbins and Bill Clinton, you know, Adriana Huffington. And this is all stuff that I've researched. But again, if I would have known of this stuff over five years ago, <laughs> imagine where my flow could have taken me by now, right? But it's okay. I tell you all the time on this show, uh, I, this is something new I started adding about a year ago. I realized that there's just like in health and fitness, going to the gym, just like, you know, putting in the reps, so to speak. Um, I'm interested to hear your, your thought on, on this statement, but I was like, listen, we're just, it's okay. We're just all at a different place on the timeline. We all can still achieve all the same things if that's what you so choose to get to, but it's just you just don't know enough yet, or you haven't been connected to the right enough people yet. What are your thoughts on that whole timeline factor? Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good question. I mean, I think that ultimately results are a function of cause and effect or actions and then corresponding reactions. And sometimes more actions are obviously going to be required to produce some end result if you have if you're further behind the starting line True. than someone else. And so ultimately I think 
it is it is often at least this is you know relevant to people who have basic first world luxuries like internet and education and wi-fi i don't i don't necessarily speak to you know folks who are who are struggling to get their very basic needs met because it can sound a little contrived and rich but for folks who who have the basics locked in but maybe don't have quite the experience they feel they need to produce a certain result or get to a certain place or they don't feel like they've got the confidence or the knowledge or the network or whatever it is it usually is just a result or the, the necessity is just to take more action over a longer period of time to get to that same result that you know anyone else could get to if they're further along that i completely agree with i mean again going back to what I, if i would have known five years ago what i know today if i would have connected with the people that i have now obviously connected with since increased that circle of influence learning these best practices learning these i used to call them tricks of the trade right <laughs> but it's like it isn't tricks it's actual science so that, that's why i love the you know the big key word here and what we're discussing today is neuroscience like this is actual things that we need to study and research and pardon the term. I mean, I, I actually am intrigued to see if you guys like the word hack or not, because <laughs> <laughs> that word has been blown up like crazy for the past couple of years uh, with people like Dave Asprey and everybody else. So by the way, what are your thoughts on the word hack? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question as well. I go back and forth on it. In certain respects, I like the idea of hacking. Uh, usually the way people refer to it is to sort of short circuit a process and get around a process that would normally take a longer period of time or that would normally be inaccessible. So a biohack is a way of doing something to your physiology that shortcuts or short circuits the journey from point A to point B, whether that's getting a good night's sleep in less time or getting a workout in in less time or whatever it is. So, I think hacks are absolutely possible. And when you know and understand the underlying science around whether it's biology or neuroscience, you can hack your physiology in different ways. And there are 100% hacks that you can find and execute on. But I think it's good to not adopt a mindset around constantly trying to you know, seek hacks or mm. shortcuts or more indirect or more rapid paths to the end result. Ideally, you have the long-term vision, patience, and fortitude required to trod the difficult path. But you're also obviously, just from a tactical standpoint, trying to identify hacks along the way to speed things up. So I think so long as you don't have a hacker's mindset in that respect, then then, yeah, I'm all for them. I I can definitely attest to that. You... When when individuals and I've observed, I've observed it because I've done my own kind of N one experimentation, and I did fall into that hack u- utilization, uh, but it, it is a it's a deep hole that you could fall into, right? You could get to the point where you love now hacking so much it's all you care about, and then you're moving on to the next hack, and it's like, well, did you really great? If, if you haven't learned anything is is my concern on that too because sometimes people are looking for the shortcut on everything and that's one yeah, of the side we, effects i've seen we, we see it a little bit with flow as well in the world of our work where flow is such an effortless enjoyable pleasant experience hmm. it literally feels flowy time dilates as we've been talking about everything feels easy and effortless and fluid and a lot of people over time 
feel like they can't do their best work or they can't execute or they can't get the things they know they've got to get done unless they're in that state of flow that's totally effortless and fluid and enjoyable. And that's a massive problem. We always say that getting into flow in the first place takes work. It takes discipline. You got to show up. You got to get into the activity. You're trying to get into flow in. You got to apply and deploy all of the flow hacking protocols. And then after some grind and some push and some effortful focus, you will get into that effortless state of flow. But if you're relying on it and banking on it, you're in trouble. And we call those folks, Stephen and Jamie Wheel did a great job of laying out their thinking around those folks in Stealing Fire. They call them bliss junkies. Oh, yeah. And that's definitely I've something read, I've read avoid. that book. Actually, yeah. I got a screen share again because I'm in that part of your site. Um, and right here in the backdrop, they're Stealing Fire. I've read it. Tomorrowland, oh, nice. I've read it. Bold, <laughs> nice. I've read. The Rise of Superman, I've read. Abundance, <laughs> I've read. But the last two, I have not. <laughs> well, that is impressive, man. Damn, kudos. I was like, good, I'm like, good, I'm good looking podcast at this. research. I was like, dude, I got like half these books. <laughs> <laughs> a small, furry prayer. That final one there is actually killer as well. It's great. It's very. Which one is that? A small furry prayer. Okay. The yes. Final one there. On the All right. right. Uh, yeah, it's badass as well. I'm going to uh, have to get, see, uh, see, this is good. I'm getting notes again. <laughs> All right. I have my next one. Hopefully they have it on uh, Audible because I do love. Audible. Oh, yeah. it's And it's I get gross. it. There's different schools on thought on too. People say that you should still do the classic reading for a better actual flow of knowledge uh, as some people attest to. But I can tell you, I have, I used to be a, a voracious reader when I was younger. And now I love consuming stuff audibly. Uh, especially when I'm traveling, you know, because if I'm driving a car, I don't listen to music anymore in my car. I listen to audiobooks and podcasts for years now. So that's one of my yeah. things. So, so I, yeah, the way I, I read, I split books into three categories. So I have what I call quote unquote thought leadership books, oh. which are a ton of the books that you'll see nowadays on the, on the times bestseller list, which are basically books with one or maybe two or at a push three core ideas that are usually relatively simple that are extended out into a 270 page book so that they can fit the title on the spine of the book hmm. and that actually aren't that dense in information and originally again started out with a few core ideas and those books i try and get physically and i read but i sort of scan them and you can develop a, a strategy for sucking out the key information and reducing it down to the author's original idea so that's how I read those books. And it's, it's, it's easy enough to identify if a book is a quote unquote thought leadership book. You can kind of tell hmm. if it's been written for, you know, to, to get on the speaking circuit or as, a, as the, the top of a funnel or whatever it is. And they usually still have great ideas in them, but you can scan those. And then for books, I use Audible a ton for books that aren't too detail dense, but that have some overarching narrative or some overarching message you want to get to a lot of mindset books I find great on audible and then books that are meaty detail filled packed with ideas and that are the opposite to thought leadership books in that they could be you know five times as long and there's still more to cover I try and read those physically and take notes yeah that becomes like a reference volume you know you got you have to know where everything is go back to it some people highlight some people post it you know whatever but Exactly. Those ones, I find those ones tough to really give credit to with mm -hmm. Audible alone. And then the, the sort of thought leadership books, 
I find at least that a lot of the pages are somewhat redundant. You can just tell that they've been extended out and being in this space, I know that that's how those books are written as well. Oftentimes, you know, there's a, there's a core idea and it gets fleshed out into a full book and, and repeated through lots of different stories. So you can usually, you can usually extract that core idea pretty quickly as well. But I find that like quite a helpful stack or process for, for maximizing reading and learning time. I, I found myself that it's something we're talking about books right now because I literally, um, in the process of hiring the final stage, I'm hiring an editor cause I'm finishing my first book and, um, it's, the, this is the struggle that I have had. That's why I finally had to just hire an editor to work with me. I, and I, she was on my podcast years ago, and she's worked with a lot of other authors, so I'm excited to have her. But she, um, she's good at calling me on my shit. So I was like, yep, mm. you're hired. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Because you need people like that in your life. Uh, that's probably what people come to you for your team for, right? Because actually, I, got a screen, I, got a, I just got done stop screen sharing, but actually at the bottom of that page below the, the shot of the books – you know, it's some of your bullet points here in a zero to dangerous, uh, for example, you know, you're, you're making huge sacrifices with your health, family, and personal relationships. Not a good sign. You might need some guidance. Um, I had to tie this all together right there real quick because a lot of us make those excuses. Um, like, for example, you, you, you found a way to, I don't want to say hack, but break up the books based on mm-hmm. the type so you know how to consume them. Mm-hmm. And exactly because you still want to honor the content and then, yeah. and then, but, but we make excuses saying, well, I'm just so busy unless it's on. And I used to say this, I said, well, unless you're on audible, good luck me consuming your book. But I've now, you know, almost four years of podcasting, I've had, you know, authors come on and they're not on audible yet. <laughs> Even friends right. and colleagues of mine that have launched a book. And I'm like, well, I can't dishonor them. Like they're a colleague, they're a friend. I want to promote the book on the podcast. I need to read it. So uh, so it's like, okay, well, you can't keep sticking yourself in that one little category. You got to remain open to change and open to other ways because just like these bullet points you have here, th- these are signs that people have justified these excuses and justified these positions. But what they don't realize is they're actually holding themselves back uh, from a true upper level of performance. Uh, uh, that Again, back to flow, right? Uh, these totally. are some of your top points here that I really loved. Yeah, the the key point there that we try and make is that you can have it all. It's just a matter of determining what all means for you. Mm. Usually when people colloquially or casually say that phrase, I want to have it all or I want it all, they mean I want everything that I actually care about and value all at once. They don't mean literally all. They don't mean literally everything that I want to have six careers at once. They want to crush it in their career and have a good family life and be healthy. And that's usually what people mean by all. And so the first step in having it all is determining exactly what you mean by all, which is obviously a matter of getting clear on your values and your priorities. And the second step is just learning the tools needed to be able to allot time effectively and cover all areas of of life, which is absolutely possible for the vast majority of people. Yeah. It's funny because like, I mean, I could see myself in a couple of these areas here. Like I've, I mean, I, try, I tell people all, all the time, stop using the word perfection or perfect. It's it's really, I, I just don't agree with it. It's a very unhealthy mindset for some people because it's very easy to knock them out of that positive place and they they start beating themselves up and stuff. With it. There's a lot of comparison. And I, I was like, no, 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 no. I, I agree with your point just now where it's like, what matters to you? Like, if you want it all, make sure that all is aligned with you. And 
Like I feel that I have, I am a high performer. It's the second bullet point here, right? I also feel that I'm definitely, I've made the sacrifices in my past, but I've learned from that that I will not sacrifice my health or my, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've, we, last week was our one year wedding anniversary on St. Patrick's Day. So it's like, you know, hey, we, there, there's, I've had to learn over the years like, oh, wow, it took me to my 40s to finally get married because mm -hmm. I, I was justifying there was no room for that, right? So these exactly. are things I've had to teach exactly. myself. <laughs> yeah, and they're the kind of beliefs that are, are can be tricky to spot, but very important to uproot. You know, like that can be very much so an embedded underlying narrative. If I want to be a high performer, I don't have time for marriage. Mm. Yet, what's the actual basis for that in, in reality? It's usually just an underlying untested assumption that hasn't actually been subjected against other actions that could prove it wrong. Yeah, it, it took my wife while we were dating breaking up with me uh, to like, uh, like set off a bomb <laughs> in my head. Uh, <laughs> like she, like, uh, first first year dating anniversary, barely made it to the first year, and she dumped my ass. And uh, I've I've now said this on I don't care. Like I I'm completely transparent these days too, man. It's I tell people it's so freeing. I hide nothing. Yeah, I don't care yeah. what people think. I'm not here for, for cloak and dagger. I am here to be true, transparent. And one thing I learned from a great mentor is to ensure that I'm approachable so people can see that I'm real and that everybody's got their opportunities. So and I, that's why I love bringing up the whole marriage thing because that was holding me back. I was not allowing – actually, this is going into my book too because um, I've realized that now that I wrote the book, it might become a multi-segment factor – because the title of my book is going to be "So You Want to Be a Hot Shot?" Like question <laughs> question mark, right? Because like that's that. why. Because I, I, when I found that career opportunity, I was like, "Oh my god! Like, what if that's what I'm meant to do the rest of my life? I'm an adrenaline junkie, blah blah blah. Let's go do this." It was one of the most dangerous jobs on the planet. Like, yes, let's do it. Um, but after doing that for two years, so much was learned, and I, I realized I had to put it down on paper, not just to honor the experience and honor some massive lessons learned, but also to be truthful and mention the stuff I was screwing up because of it. I got a little, I'll go and say a little pompous. You know, I might, I was overly confident. I wasn't letting my old life back in a little bit. Like I was not reconnecting with old friends and family as easily. I was still cut off. I wasn't allowing any romance in my life. I was still very just go, go, go tough guy. And it wasn't working. So you, I also want to make sure that's going into that book, right? It's like, hey, guys, yes, these are all these amazing things I could share in the book and amazing lessons learned, you know, getting humble and things of that nature, you know. But here's also some really bigger lessons learned that I had to unlock, like bring the walls down, let things start flowing more uh, because I was afraid. Like I took all these risks in my life, and the one risk I didn't take was risking my heart. And that was like a huge like floodgate of flow. Uh, I'm calling it flow, but just it was like a tidal wave that I unlocked, and it's still mm. being it's still being unlocked. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, man. I mean, vulnerability and uh, there it is. Kind of rad radical transparency is is interesting in that people value it enormously. Oftentimes, people will totally forgive you for doing something that they would consider very negative if you were trying to hide it if you're transparent about that negative thing there's a great book by ken wilbur it's kind of a philosopher and a thinker and he's got a book called grace and grit hmm. and in it he taught he just it's one of the most 
immense dramatic examples of just radical vulnerability and transparency he goes into some horrific things like the fact that even even though he's a spiritual teacher and spiritual philosopher he physically assaulted his partner and he just opens all the cans of all the worms and is totally honest about everything wow and at the end of the book the sentiment you're left with is actually immense respect to him and for him because of the transparency even though you're reading about all these horrific things that he's done that sounds pretty powerful i just wrote that down you gave me two books now (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've got a a very large virtual library in Audible. And then this library behind me changes all the time because as I'm cycling stuff in, I'm also a bit of a minimalist. I don't like having too much stuff. But thanks to this podcast and thanks to some great fans, people will be like, oh, man, uh, I can't wait to check out that book. And I'll be like, oh, I have it. I've already read it. Here, I'll just mail it to you, you know? Um, oh, cool. So nice. it's like, I like why hold on to it? <laughs> Let somebody yeah. else learn from it. So, And uh, th- there's some power in that too. I mean people, I mean, we're going to come towards the end of the show. You're going to have about a 10 minutes to respect your, your time here, but like this could be a bigger nut to unrack on, un, on, un, uh, to crack open. But do you guys find through your training and education from your coaches and such that, uh, people's flow capability are damned up because they're afraid to let things go and keep things too close to the vest, so to speak. Is there, is there it's some emotional psychology tied into that? That's interesting. So there are 22 flow triggers. These are preconditions that need to be in place in order for one to be able to get into a flow state. Hmm. And there are different categories of triggers. So there are psychological triggers, there's environmental triggers, there are group triggers that trigger group flow states between people. I'm sure you've experienced that on podcasts or in, in bigger groups. And there are creative triggers, but one of the environmental triggers is risk. Risk is a very potent flow trigger. And that's why you see a lot of flow in a lot of action adventure sports because they're high in risk. Risk drives you into flow. Evolutionarily, we are wired when we're faced with a risk to instantly drop in to optimal performance or flow. I can tell you, fire, to... firefighting, yeah, that was- There you go, dude. exactly. I have a yeah, si- amazing 16, example. 16 hours a day for two weeks straight. If you're assigned to a fire front, actually on a live fire, you were only allowed to work 14 days straight because of the burnout factor, but you were doing it 16 hours a day. So technically you're still getting a little burned out. <laughs> Mentally <laughs> yeah, I think and physically. That's a, yeah. That's a great, that's a great example. As I was saying before, before we went live of a good friend who also was a client of ours, actually up here in the Bay area who described the fact that when the bell would ring in the fire station, boom, he would drop into that state and be in that state pretty much till getting home and sometimes even still be wired or, or high from the flow state even after finishing work. And so risk in that is very high or potent flow trigger. Mm. And to answer your question, I think that if there are concerns about taking risk that are really limiting people and potentially also they're limiting themselves from flow. Uh, that's not to say that necessarily you have to go and take drastic or reckless risks to get into flow. But with respect to that question, sometimes playing it safe is going to limit the degree to which you can get into flow. Another good example is actually just startups and entrepreneurship. Oh yeah. Entrepreneurship is inherently has risk in it and inherently it also tends to produce a lot of flow. You know, you see, 
much more flow within startups who've just gone through their first round of funding versus a massive Goliath corporate that can't go bankrupt because of the risk factor. You know, what else I've seen also is that uh, through a lot of successful entrepreneurs I've met that become, you know, pretty mainstream influencers, the other things I find is that when you're talking to the experienced ones, they're not talking about their successes. They're talking about the losses and what they learned because that's what's made them better and stronger too is that, you know, they can make a mistake and maybe that one startup crashed and burned, but what are the lessons that they're going to take into the next project, to the next company? Uh, because it gets easier because you've you've embraced that pain or that 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 pain threshold, we'll call it, right? Your pain threshold gets better. It gets easier. Just like in sports, just like in firefighting, like the more you do it and the more you learn along the way, the easier it gets. Right. Exactly. Your, your capacity expands and you can return to a new normal or a new baseline. Sure. Yeah. It's huge. I think. So is that some things that obviously with you guys and your training protocols and the research you're doing, you're trying to help people understand that, but also then, again, I hate to use the word hack, but obviously optimize their process to get, get faster on that timeline to get to the next stage. Yeah. Generally we're trying to help people expand their capacity to increase the amount that they are able to do and increase the, or decrease the time they're able to do it in and increase the quality and the speed at which they're able to do it so that they can be more and do more and serve more. And the way that we do that are applying neuroscience backed peak performance tools and protocols to help people access flow more consistently, recover more effectively, minimize and proof against things like burnout, sleep better, manage one's physiology better, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So I got to ask your feedback then. The tagline on this show is we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. I put health first for, <laughs> for a reason. And I think I'm hearing that you might agree with me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's huge. There's a great article in Harvard Business Review by Tony Schwartz and Jim Lohr called The Corporate Athlete. And they talk about this idea of primary and secondary competencies. And a secondary competency is health or energy or ability to focus or mindfulness or even ability to get into flow. And a primary competency is a specific skill that you are deploying like coding or podcasting or editing. And if you do not have those secondary competencies locked in, your, the ability to regulate your energy, the ability to manage your health, the ability to sleep effectively and recover effectively, you are going to cap your potential and your performance within the primary competencies like coding or speaking or whatever the specific thing you do is. You're going to limit that if you don't take care of those secondary competencies like, again, health, energy, focus, flow, sleep, et cetera. Thank you. <laughs> you, could, you could totally tell you guys are near the Bay Area near Silicon Valley because you said coding a few times. And I'm like, yeah, you are right in that, in that sector. There's so much technology going on. There's so much innovation. It's, yeah. it's hard not to bring up those those professions because I'm sure you guys are coming across it all the time. For um, sure. But exactly. I, I got a screen share again as we're coming towards the end of the show because 
I'm a branding geek is what I do. I love to help people control their brands and grow their brands online. But one thing that stood out to me was this little red button <laughs> under the training page it was brace yourself for a high octane intervention. And then I scrolled down here below your free training uh, option here for guys to get, you know, kind of their, put their toe in the water and the training stack, right? It, people hear about like supplement stacks and everything else. So I just, I love that play on words. <laughs> and then you got, dude, you got zero to dangerous. You got art of the impossible baseline to beyond. Uh, <laughs> you're just living my style right here. <laughs> Good. Yeah. 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 Steven, Steven gets all the credit for the names. He is, uh, he is one of the best namers of things, books, trainings, everything that I've come across. It, his recent, recent audio uh, book he put out was called Mapping Cloud9, which I just thought was the coolest name. It's about peak experience, meaning, you know, Cloud9, obviously. Yeah. And he's great. He's great at the names for sure. Dude, this is awesome. I'm loving this. So I, I can see why Trey wanted us to get connected. <laughs> 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 well, uh, so listen, I want to respect your time. Um, and again, ladies and gentlemen, flowresearchcollective.com. But here's the best part. Because you're such an influencer in the neuroscience side of things and the, and the flow we're discussing today, uh, I ask my guest co-hosts to help close the show out with some – for the years, it was always, you know, what are some final words? Uh, but nowadays, I've realized it's not just about the final words, but what is a legacy message? Like if people forgot everything else we just discussed about you and what you guys are doing, what is something you want to leave behind for the audience? If there was one thing they'd remember about you and what you guys are doing. This is more relevant to the times we find ourselves in with respect to Corona and the adversity people are facing mm. rather than our work directly. Although there are, interrelations between peak performance and flow and stoicism but i'm a huge fan of stoic philosophy i think it's an incredible as tim ferris calls it operating system for life and decision making and there's a quote that is potentially relevant to a lot of people right now which is that what obstructs the path becomes the path which mm -hmm. i've always found incredibly helpful to remember another way to put it that ryan holiday used for one of the titles of his books is the obstacle is the way in other words what it is that we're facing is the thing that we're supposed to be facing so it's just a matter of learning how to perceive it as positively as possible and then do our absolute best in the face of it i love that that's awesome well listen uh hang tight for a couple seconds i'm gonna give you a proper goodbye off the air so you can get back to your evening uh ladies and gentlemen Again, we, we, we talked about neuroscience today. We talked about flow state today. We got a few book tips coming in. All this stuff will be listed in the show notes, obviously, like we always do. Uh, so again, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. I'd say he definitely helped us do that today. So thanks again for tuning in. And remember, you too can live the fuel. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.